So I got this new gadget recently and it is kind of the showstopper of my house right now. Seriously, I had a Super Bowl party recently and yes, people were watching the game, but there was this whole collection of mostly moms gathered in my kitchen around my new composter. Mill is a food recycling appliance about the size of a trash can. It's super nice looking with this pretty bamboo top. I sweep all my food scraps into it. And then at night, it heats them up, grinds and dries them, and turns it into this sort of powdery, dirt-looking substance that I can mail back to Mill, and they'll donate it to sustainable farms to feed chickens, or I could put it at my green bin at home, use it in my garden, or feed my own chickens if I had them. It's a composting game changer. It launched less than a year ago and has already helped people keep over a million pounds of food out of the landfill. And U.S. food waste is a bigger greenhouse gas emitter than um, the airline industry. I get it. People don't want to keep stinky, moldy food scraps on the counter. And now you don't have to. Plus, you can impress your friends at parties. Mill.com slash pool to order yours. Welcome back to Everybody in the Pool, the podcast that dives deep into the climate crisis and comes up with solutions. I'm your host, Molly Wood. Now, you know, one of the things we do on this show, or will do as time goes on, is talk to people who have decided to pursue a career in climate or have somehow found themselves in the pool, realizing that this is a huge deal that affects all of us. Today's guest is in that category, someone who realized that her chosen profession isn't obviously related to global warming and the climate crisis, but it turns out it's a big part of what she does. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm a personal finance journalist, and I currently host the podcast So Money. And I have a book coming out that I'm really excited about. If I can plug it. Plug it. It's called A Healthy State of Panic. (laughs) Yeah. That's on the nose. (laughs) It's a little... That hits close. That that hits a little hard right now, Furnish. <laughs> That's the point. That's the point. It's just, yep, yep. just going with it. Just capturing the zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I have this three-part strategy for what you can personally do to address the climate crisis. I call it VIA. You know, like the Starbucks instant coffee. That stuff is great for backpacking. Just pack out your trash. It stands for vote, invest, and adopt. Vote, obvious. Adopt, I mean, adopt the things like shampoo bars and the reusable paper towels and the door-to-door microplastic recycling services. That's coming up in a future episode. Adopt the solar panels and the electric bikes and eating less meat and consuming less. All of those strategies go under adoption. And finally, there's invest, which I know we're only six episodes in, but kind of the whole point here is that it matters where your dollars go, whether it's how you shop, like I just said, or where you buy a home or what's in your 401k or where you bank. So Farnoosh, in the course of helping people understand how to invest and save money, came to the pretty obvious conclusion that personal finance increasingly is inextricably linked to climate considerations. And now she's in the pool. Her podcast, So Money, has been around since 2014, and Farnoosh says developing the show was a combination of passion and practicality. I was ready for deeper conversations about money, and I was also a mom for the first time, and so I was looking for a little bit of a low frills, low, a low lift. Yep, exactly. That's what I love about, yep, low lift. You just hit record and 
go. And it was all your years of experience. And I studied broadcast. And so I was familiar with the medium. And I and then to, to, to talk about money on a podcast from the perspective of a woman and a mother and a breadwinner, I think was fresh at the time. And so you just cross your fingers sometimes that these projects take off and that they can endure. And it certainly has. And I think my trick is to just not be too strict about it, that I obviously have points of views, but I really want this show to meet where the audience is at and the audience changes and the audience evolves and grows. And the best kind of review I get is somebody who's been with me from the beginning, but her life has completely evolved. And all the while the show has been relevant to her Mm -hmm. as she has gone to change jobs, get married, maybe get divorced, have children, not have children. And so that to me feels I feel very proud of that where I feel like, oh, this show has managed to like keep her interest all of these years and stay relevant to her as her life's really um, gone through so many changes. Mm -hmm. I think there, you know, there's so many parallels there because (laughs) yes, we all get dressed and buy skincare and buy cars and buy, you know, whatever it is that other magazines feed us. But the truth is we all have to make money and figure out how to deal with our money in a way that makes us safe and secure, Mm -hmm. ideally, in our lives. And I relate to this strongly as a human and also a business journalist who came to the climate conversation as a capitalist, effectively. (laughs) You know, like, we can get a lot done with activism. You can get some done with politics. But most of what you're going to get done is with money. And I wonder how in those years you have found yourself maybe more often tackling climate as a topic in personal finance, which is maybe a little counterintuitive to people. I would say that I I did a really big deep dive a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago. I was uh, contributing. I was at CNET and one of our big projects What when I first started, I actually... Um, can I take credit for it? I kind of came up with it. Uh, you know, it was just like a pie in the sky idea. And then the team, of course, that I had that was an amazing team, like was the engine behind it. But I was what really ha- started it was we had our, one of our first really, really big storms as homeowners in the suburbs. This was 2021. Uh, or 2022. And I remember being away for that storm and coming home to a neighborhood that where my neighbors had all their furniture out to be picked up by the trash. Wow. Because their homes had flooded. Yeah. And we had been so frightened that whole like three, four days of storming that we were, you know, we were calling neighbors. Can you like poke your head into our house through the windows? Can you see water damage? Like fortunately we were spared for the most part. We had a little bit of water damage in our basement, but it really got me spooked. And then Simultaneous to this, I have parents who live on the West Coast, and they were experiencing a different set of climate threats, including forest fires. And so they had like the air pollution going on, the the fires going on, the heat. And then they also, before that, they had drought. And I'm thinking, you guys should move. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like this seems like not a sustainable lifestyle, place to live, retire. And I brought that conversation to an editorial meeting the next day, and I thought, you know, there is so much to unpack and explore here at the intersection of where the where climate's going and what we can do as 
consumers, and this isn't a spending story, but this could even, this, we should write stories about how we might want to think about redesigning our lives and re-architecting our lives. All of these goals that we have maybe to become homeowners or, you know, um, start families, live in certain places. Should we rethink the calculus for all of these big life decisions, which carry costs from that angle, but all the way to like, okay, how when I spend money or when I go to the grocery store or when I think about my budget, you know, there's so much, the spectrum is very wide when you think about all of the topics to tackle under this umbrella of the cost of climate change. I spent so the whole team like months and months just writing and interviewing and we did multimedia video podcasts. We talked to folks who, for example, the year before were in Texas and had that flash freeze experience, which, you know, they were completely up, you know, unprepared for their homes were not structured for it. But this one guy who talked about walked me through his home, he, the pipes froze and they had an infant and all the expenses. And luckily he was handy and was good at watching YouTube videos and figuring out on his own how to, you know, thaw pipes. And, but he said it would have probably bankrupted him had he had to like hire a crew or leave the home. And it was just, yeah. you know, it was it was maybe a little late to be covering this stuff, but never too late. Also, never too late. Yep, never too late. Um, Not even a little bit. So incre increasingly, it's become a big part of the conversation. I'd say on the podcast and just in general, talking about money. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about some of the topics that you covered. From kind of let's start with that daily cost because I think that's a way that people don't necessarily think about it in terms of you know you say it's already costing you money. Climate changes from... It's already costing you money. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's just going to the grocery store. I mean, right now, of course, we talk a lot about inflation and we, th and we think about the drivers of inflation. And almost never do we talk about climate change as a driver of inflation. We think, oh, well, all the Fed just has to raise rates and then inflation will, will come down. It's like, yes, maybe, but also the planet is still getting hotter. So that is not going to help inflation. It, you know, I have to take a, a beat here though, Molly, and I want to preface that like sometimes I feel icky talking about like money and climate change because it's such an existential, like the world could end, right? So like here I am like, here's how to save money on strawberries. Um, so I just want to make that clear that this- <laughs> That we understand, yes. Yeah, yeah that I, my goal is not to help people just find a way to save money. And that's the workaround um, with climate change. But it's really about how to recognize that climate change is happening. And as consumers, but also as investors and as planners and as humans, how can we be more strategic as far as like all these decisions that we make, that we spend money towards, that we invest in to um, protect ourselves? Yes, but also create impact at the same time. Yep. Um, so if we all, if, for example, like if you decided I'm not going to move to Miami, even though the taxes are great, you know, I have so many examples of people I know or people like friends of friends who've moved to Florida for the taxes alone. And it's like, yeah, but you know, forget the fact that your house could also get washed up, but you know, you're, the message that you're sending I question that, you know, it's like, what's the impact? People don't think about these things when they choose homes. And even mm -hmm. still, when I called, you know, the National Association of Realtors and said, you know, what are you noticing in terms of 
the choices people are making when it comes to real estate. And they said, you know, the Malibu homes are still selling like hotcakes and they're still fetching top dollar. And so are the homes all around the coastlines. And so I, this is where I get stuck. Yep. It's all an awareness conversation, you know, like I I think that this is to me, believe me, I get it. Like one of my kind of taglines and keynote speeches is, Will capitalism kill us or save us or both? Yeah. <laughs> because it is sort of awkward to think about, like, what does this... But in the short term, this is how many, many people are going to experience this. They're going to experience it as a shock to the system, whether it's property destruction or, you know, you talk about healthcare prices because of pollution or injury, a tree falling on you. All of that stuff adds up. And when we invest and make choices with our money, we that is massively impactful. Mm-hmm. Like that's how things add up. The way that people direct their money, whether it's strawberries, property in Miami, or ESG funds. Right. So yeah. Anyway, that's all my permission to say. We're here to talk about money. <laughs> you know, and that's a great first foundational step is just the awareness piece of it. And in talking to folks who actually work in, say, real estate who I say, well, what's the shoe that has to drop besides another hurricane, which apparently like apparently there are not enough hurricanes that would convince uh, a determined coastline buyer (laughs) to not buy on the coast. And they said, you know, what would have to happen is that the insurance companies wouldn't insure the home, that a mortgage for that home would have a double digit interest rate. Now, as we know, we are, in fact, creeping closer to this reality, certainly in California, where several big insurers like State Farm and Allstate have said they won't write new homeowners policies anywhere in the state because they're simply losing money here. The fact is that premiums may have to be significantly more expensive in places that are at high risk for climate-related damage. As for banks, they are definitely starting to consider climate risk around lending, Although, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, a lot of them are still investing your deposit money in big oil and gas projects at the same time. Farnoosh and I also talked about the ways in which the climate crisis exacerbates the wealth gap, how rich countries emit more and poor countries suffer, and also closer to home. In terms of protecting yourself from climate change, that costs money. And until there's infrastructure from the government to level that playing field, there's going to be a world where those who want to insulate from the climate risks, they're going to they're going to match a certain demographic, a certain sort of purse wallet demographic, you know, Mm -hmm. because like just getting flood insurance or just being able to escape a natural disaster or just being able to pay more for things because it's quote unquote sustainable or recycled, you know, that that stuff costs more, it comes at a premium. And so those that may not have the, the money, the resources are going to suffer more at the hands of climate change. They're not going to be able to be as nimble. They're not going to be able to afford things that would maybe protect them, um, like the insurances, the infrastructure, the homes, the technology that's going to basically keep them a little bit more protected and ultimately help them save money on the back end too. And yes, we determined this is where we also need policy. But as people start to feel the pain personally and financially, that may drive them to keep demanding that policy. That's the vote part. 
All right, time for a quick break. By the way, if you would like to get an ad-free version of the show, please check out mollywood.co. There's a link about halfway down the page where you can subscribe to the premium version at Acast+. You don't need me to tell you how horrible landfills are, but true story, one of the worst things we put in landfills is one of the easiest things to keep out. I'm talking about food waste. I just got Mill, a kitchen compost appliance that I put all my food waste in. It grinds it up and dries it into grounds that Mill picks up for me. It doesn't stink at all, and I empty it maybe like once a month. More importantly, it feels so good to know that I am keeping all my food out of landfills. If you're ready to end food waste in your home, check out Mill at mill.com pool. 
I guess there's different ways to, to describe what we're talking about. There's impact investing, there's ESG, um, socially responsible investing. And there's also what I came across is direct indexing. Have you heard of this? I have not. And I saw this in your article and I, that was my next question is what is that? How do I do that? Yeah. So it's at the time, not a lot of banks are offering this. Uh, Vanguard at the time of my reporting was offering this. They may still, but essentially it allows in you to buy individual stocks in an index fund and omit the companies that you think are problematic, risky. Um, so it's almost like, you know, a DIY index fund where you can pick your own stocks. And so, you know, maybe you don't love what the offerings are that the banks have put together because you have very clear and different standards. And I think that's still what's missing a little bit in this space is this standardization because interpreting what is impact or what is environmentally friendly or environmentally sound. I mean, everybody, I think we can all agree to a sort of basic standard of that, but then some investors are more selective than others and and, and it gets to be a little discretionary at that point. And so I think there's a lot of room and growth still for that. And then what is happening in banking? Yeah. That's another thing that you've written about is the, the kind of rise of sustainable banking, but also what banks are doing with our money. Maybe it's a combination of banking alternatives and questions to be asking your bank. So I learned through my research that a lot of the big banks, for example, I'm talking big multinational banks. I won't name them, but we know who they are. If you look at their investments, as far as where they take our deposit money, you know, they when you put money in a bank, and they give you interest, but then they they take your money and then they use that money for investments of their own. And so if you look at, there was a research recently done, a piece of research that looked at where those investments go. And a lot of it, I think, you know, major, not a majority, but a significant chunk of those dollars get spent on projects that if you are someone who cares deeply about climate change and improving upon that, you would not be happy. It's a lot of fossil fuel projects, a lot of oil and, you know, not carbon neutral, let's just say, which we are not always privy to. We could probably dig for them, but they're not, it's not like on their front page, you know, here, welcome to XYZ Bank with your deposits. We are glad to say we're investing in all these oil projects. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> it's not a great PR move, um, but you could probably look for that. And, you know, it's not like you can just call the bank and ask. I think it's one of those things where you have to go through their quarterly statements. Absolutely. I do think that like your reporting shows and kind of the the thing about the climate story is that it's actually every story. Mm-hmm. And so much, I mean, I just sort of want to reflect back this idea that fundamentally the cost will come for everyone. Yeah, because it also, it makes vulnerable this concept of the American dream and how people traditionally become wealthy through real estate, through the stock market. And if these traditional ways of getting, quote unquote, wealthy or achieving the American dream are threatened, 
that's really hard to stomach for a lot for a lot of reasons. And I think, you know, when I hear that State Farm is pulling out of California, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, maybe home values will come down because you can't sell them. And then what is that going to mean for this concept of home ownership, uh, which we're already we're already poking holes at, right? For good reason. I think not everyone should be a homeowner, and not every home deserves to be bought. Uh, but I, it continues to put more question marks out there about like what, because we're human as humans. I think we gravitate towards rules of thumb. We gravitate towards following the herd and it's not always the best way to make decisions, but it, that it's who we are at the core, right? We're like survivalists. And so climate change really pokes holes at what we have always thought to be like the right way to do things when it comes to investments and saving and making purchasing decisions. It, it's hard to change. I mean, that's really what the end of the day, but you know what? My, my, here's my question. Do you want to be in control of your decisions or do you want to just let climate change make the decisions for you? You know, that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. The information is out there. We have the data. We see already what it's doing and how it's devastating households and families and communities. What, I don't know what's the next shoe that has to drop. I'm getting flood insurance. I'll tell you that much. I'm, I live in a flat land on a flat piece of property, but we're not even in a flood zone. I didn't even know you could get flood insurance if you're not in a flood zone, but you can hmm. uh, because I don't trust the flood zone maps. <laughs> so I just know what I see. And I see, like I said, people with their furniture out on their front lawns ready to be picked up by a waste management right. following a storm. And that's not even all of it. There's the mold. There's so much that you have to now work through. It can completely devastate your savings and your financial livelihood, in addition to so much else. That's Farnoosh Tarabi, host of the podcast So Money. She has a book coming out in October called Healthy State of Panic. And although you know I like to stay away from the problems and focus on the solutions, I don't think that's a bad mantra for how we should be approaching things right now. Because here's the deal. Climatologists are tweeting phrases like totally bonkers about what's happening with global temperatures right now. Ocean temperatures in particular are rising much faster than anyone predicted. Antarctic sea ice is at record lows. Atmospheric carbon dioxide is at record highs. And this June is already the hottest globally on record. And you know what? It's still probably going to be the coolest one we see in our lifetimes. Yeah, I know. Get in the pool. Everything matters. Nothing is too big or too small. And yes, where you put your money really matters. And that's it for this episode of Everybody in the Pool. Please like, subscribe, and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts if that's what you're using. Email your thoughts, your ideas, your story about how you switch to climate to in at everybodyinthepool.com. And for an even deeper dive, sign up for my newsletter at mollywood.co. Together, we can get this done. See you next week. You don't need me to tell you how horrible landfills are, but true story, one of the worst things we put in landfills is one of the easiest things to keep out. I'm talking about food waste. 
I just got Mill, a kitchen compost appliance that I put all my food waste in. It grinds it up and dries it into grounds that Mill picks up for me. It doesn't stink at all and I empty it maybe like once a month. More importantly, it feels so good to know that I am keeping all my food out of landfills. If you're ready to end food waste in your home, check out Mill at mill.com pool. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.